This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulavanaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Dean Hallatow. everyone, and yes, welcome to another show. We've got plenty to get through this week, but first, how are you going, Sarah? I'm very well. I um, I think I have a bit of a story. A story. I love yeah. your stories. Yeah, the girl can the girl can chat. Always got a story up a, up a sleeve. Um, so my phone has been so rubbish lately. Like I have an iPhone XS. I don't know if you know what that is. It's pretty old in Apple years. Yeah, it's yeah. I've got. I think I've got the same one. Well, like I'm I'm not mad about it because you know, like this is the first phone that I've fully owned. <laughs> Like, <laughs> hey, I just finished my contract, actually. I'm a full phone owner myself. Oh, look at us. You're doing great things in yeah. our lives, like being full-time owners of our own mobile phones. Yeah. Um, well, I had a really mangy um, phone cover <laughs> and um, screen protector. Like, it honestly looked like something that belonged in the rubbish. It was ugly. And I bought um, a new phone case and a new screen protector for less than $15. So, like, you cannot even talk to me right it's now because I am phone. a brand new woman. Well, that's good because that means that your old screen protector and your old case was doing the job. They were taking all the, the punishment. Yep. And then you know where they are now? In the rubbish where they belong. Where they belong. What about you? How's your week been? Week's been great. Um, my family is going well. They're getting through another week of lockdown. Yes. So um, kids are handling it pretty well, which I'm grateful for. They asked me a few questions here and there. So balancing that with work. Not a lot of our listeners are in similar situations. So to anyone out there that's going through the same experience, hope you're doing well. Hope you're managing. And hopefully things change soon and you can get back to normal. But other than that, work is the same. Footy's getting towards the business end of the year in the NRL, mm. so I'm getting excited about that. And yeah, life is good. Well, I'm glad to hear that life is well in Dean Hallitown's world. We've got a lot coming up in the next hour. Could you talk our listeners through it? First, we'll look back on the weekend in sport. We've also got an interview in our Talanoa time, I should say, with Noah Lolaseo. And we've got another question for you. You can ask that. Huge, huge show lined up today. But what is our top story for this week? Well, the Paralympics are underway, as we know, in Tokyo, um, and the Afghan athletes have actually landed in Tokyo and uh, ready to participate in the Paralympics. It's no doubt been a, a very testing time uh, for them, for, for everyone in Afghanistan. Uh, they were very hopeful to get over, and that's um, come through for them. So it's a really good story that they've been able to make it to Tokyo, and they will compete. Yeah, definitely. Particularly with what's happening in their country, it's just such a blessing that they're able to um, leave and arrive safely in Tokyo. So definitely a feel-good story. In other news and starting with the Paralympics, Lisa Adams, who is of uh, Tongan heritage, she won gold in the F-37 shot put. Yeah, Lisa um, has done well. She's trained by her sister and Olympic medalist, Valerie Adams. Uh, Hashtag flex. Dame Valerie Adams, I should say. So um, yeah, look, what a talented family and uh, she broke a Paralympics record with two throws of 15.12 metres. That's huge for her. Um, very impressive, Lisa Adams. Another New Zealand athlete with Tongan heritage, Tupo Naufi. Uh, she won gold in the 100-metre backstroke S8 uh, category. So well done to Tupo. Yes, and turning our attention to my home nation, Fiji, in Nosimbul Marewa, who was one of two representatives from Fiji. He competed in the men's javelin F64 final on Monday evening, and he threw a personal best of 42.55 metres, which is a huge accomplishment, placing him 10th overall in his uh, final. 
Yeah, well, obviously, um, the enormity of the event didn't get the, the better of him. It, being able to throw a personal best is a huge achievement for an Aussie, and uh, well done to him. The other Fijian representative, Sefa Rakesa, was denied the chance to compete in his first Paralympics event in the shot put F41 category after a technical timeout, so very unfortunate for Yusefa. Yeah, really unfortunate for his shot put campaign to end like that, but it's not all over for him because he will compete in Javelin uh, this Saturday. So I'm sure he'll learn some lessons and uh, respect the, the guidelines that are already in place. Good luck for the Javelin on Saturday. Back in rugby league world and in the Queensland rugby league, that um, returned to play over the weekend and the PNG Hunters unfortunately went down to South Logan Magpies, 32-26. to 26. So close. It was a heartbreaking loss. The Magpies scored 90 seconds before the final bell, uh, which gave them the victory. Unfortunately for the PNG Hunters, I think it's um, lights out for their finals hopes uh, this year. You've got to give huge wraps to the side. They've had a very turbulent season. I think they competed really hard all year, yeah, which is I agree. something that um, no doubt they'll look to build on. They've been previous champions of the competition, so they want to get back to that that level. Um, but um, something to build on head into next year. And in the NRL, there was a couple of huge games. The South Sydney Rabbitohs took down the Roosters, 54 points to 12. It was a huge um, win for the Rabbitohs, a fair bit of spite in the game. But yeah, there was a huge performance from Alex Johnston, the try-scoring machine, scored three tries, and they went like this. 28 out from the Roosters' line. Set of field, northern end. Cook dummy half. Goes left to Murray, then away to Walker. Walker out the back. It comes away. Gag on to Alex Johnston. He scored a five for against them last year in round 20. He's got a one for after five and a half minutes. Two tackles left. Reynolds runs at the line to Cody Walker. Cut out pass to Alex. Unmarked Johnston. And there's a double for AJ. And it's a compromise scrum because of the players and the Ben Johnston down the eastern touchline he'll get free Alex got it yeah Alex Johnston the Papua New Guinean representative uh, flying this year on the wing he's had a few games out through injury but he still sits on 27 tries with one round of play in the regular season I think he's got the top try score wrapped up he's at the top Um, Tom Trebojevic is on 22 so unless Tom scores six tries this weekend and Alex scores none I think it's his. Wow. He could – I don't think Tom's – as good as Tom is, he's not going to score five tries. Five tries. He's super impressive nonetheless. There were also tries from Mark Nichols who gave himself two tries, Latrell Mitchell with two, and Jackson Paulo with two. But, you know, there was one thing that I observed from the game. There was a lot of heated emotion. Uh, one thing that everyone's been talking about was Latrell Mitchell's uh, tackle on Joseph Manu, which resulted in a six-week suspension. Um, I guess the, the footage that – was shown on the internet, you know, Joseph, you see a shot of Joseph Manu, he's standing there with his face, clutching at his face, sorry. He blows his nose and he just blows like a blowfish. It was crazy. Yeah, very crazy. And that's, I think, from from all medical reports, that's a fair indication uh, on field that, the, that he had a fracture, facial fracture, and uh, he went off and got surgery. But the tackle, as you said, from Latrell, it was charged uh, by the match review committee. He had some loading, some carryover points and some loading. So that affected the amount of weeks that he got suspended. He took the early guilty plea. He, he knew that he wasn't um, going to get a good result if he went and, went and fought that at, at the judiciary. Uh, six weeks means he won't be back until early next year for the Rabbitohs, which will put a dampener on their finals. Hopes to still be um, a force in the finals, I believe, but it's a massive out for them. 
It really is. I just don't like. I believe that the the Rabbitohs can take it all the way to the top, but I just feel as though Latrell really is um is their point of difference. So it'll be a huge loss. But turning our attention to a game that I want to talk about was the Storm versus Eels game. The Eels put it on top of them, twenty two to ten, ending. The Storm's 19 consecutive winning streak. Yeah, the Storm have been so good this year to watch. They, they play a really good brand of football. They're very controlled. Um, they never lose uh, their structure, I guess, that they stick to their, their game plan really well. The, the Eels just defended really well in this entire game. I thought that that was a real feature for them. As many opportunities as uh, Storm had attacking the Eels line, they kept turning them away. They've got a lot of potent attacking weapons, the Storm, but yeah, it was a huge performance from Parramatta. Blake Ferguson, the veteran, Cross for two tries, and yeah. then Hayes Dunster, the youngster uh, on the wing, the other wing there, scored a try as well as uh, Joey Lussick. So it was, uh, again, an impressive performance, an upset for the round, and well done to the Eels. But as you know, Sarah, we, we cover all the games across the weekend in the NRL on Grandstand Rugby League, and uh, our main caller, Andrew Moore, he's uh, one of the most iconic voices on broadcast radio in NRL. He's got a little bit of a phobia, and... <laughs> One of his, one of our counterparts, Luke Lewis, uh, loves playing pranks, and he ah, played, prankster. He is a big prankster, and he played this one on Maury. There's something in your headset. Uh, what have you done, Lewis? Mm. Oh, what? No. On the inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's thrown him down. He has thrown the headsets down. All it was was a little fox spider. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's real. It's real. It won't bite. Lewis, you're an idiot. And I don't like you anymore. I love you, but oh. I hate you. <laughs> it's got you choked up. Or was that funny? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's gold. What a stitch up, though. Yeah, he's got a, a massive. A lot of people are afraid of spiders, but. None more so than Maury. Maury's very, very afraid of spiders. And our last uh, talking point for the week in sport. The netball grand final, the super netball grand final was played on the weekend. And how'd that result go? Yes, there was a huge fixture between the New South Wales Swifts and the Giants. The Swifts won 63 to 59. Um, as we know, on this show, we like to go for the Giants because of our friend Christina Manua. Uh, but super unfortunate for the girls. It was a tight, tight match. Um, but the New South Wales Swifts proved to be too good. Yeah, um, these teams have traded blows all year. Uh, it's been back and forth a number of times they've met. Uh, the minor premiership went to the Giants, so no doubt the Swiss wanted to take out the big one, and uh, they beat them in the first final, the major final of the of the final series, and progressed all the way through to the GF. Uh, the Giants had to do it the hard way, but once they got there, um, the Swiss really uh, put it to them. As you said, a really tight contest. They were in control for most of it, and, and they got the win. We love a New South Wales showdown, but New South Wales Swifts have a uh, bright, Sorry, New South Wales Swifts have claimed the bragging rights for this year's Super Netball competition. Well done, the Swifts. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week on Talanoa Time, we are very spoiled to have current Wallaby Noah Lolasia joining us. He was born in Auckland, New Zealand. He's of Samoan descent, 21 years old, and has accomplished so much. He has been playing in the Super Rugby competition with the Brumbies since 2019 and is the newest and late addition to the Wallaby side. Noah, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. I guess first, Noah, where did your rugby journey start? Um, so, um, not many people know this, but I actually started off playing soccer, hey. soccer for like, um, a couple of years. So that's probably where I get my hand-eye coordination from. But yeah, so I played soccer for about four years and then 
started playing rugby league when I was around nine. And then, um, yeah, played played for the local club uh, on the Gold Coast for uh, till I was 12. And then when I started going to TSS, that's when um, my journey of rugby union, rugby union started. So you were a leaguer when you were young. Did you have any ambition to, to follow that up? Oh, I'm a I'm a bit biased towards league because I am the league <laughs> in the room. Says is obviously yeah uh, rugby minded. No, I, I love league. Eh? Um, I played league during during high school too in my last year. But um, I don't think you guys would have believed me if um, if I told you what position I played. But actually, I grew up playing second row. Oh, really? Which is a uh, yeah, I know. No one, no one would believe that. But man, could run a line off a of five eight, and that's about it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I like that. Your position, if you like, if you were to play second row now in Union, I don't know how well you'd go in the air. Do you rate yourself? Oh no, nah, definitely no chance. I'd <laughs> definitely play five um, five eight or something like that. <laughs> now, I guess it's been a. Um... A fairly bumpy year, I would say, in uh, international rugby and, and with the Bledisloe. You, you've been lucky to get a few tests um, under your belt throughout the course of the year. The Bledisloe has taken a stumble. But how has the journey been this year internationally for yourself? Oh, it's been awesome. Obviously, at the start of the international season, we had the we had the French series. And um, it was awesome to get a result there. But, you know, unfortunately, we lost the first two games against the All Blacks, which... Um, which um, ruins our chances to win the Bledisloe. But for those two games, like I felt like we've put in some good performances. But just um, you know, there was key, um, crucial and key learnings that um, as a team and definitely personally as well that I've I've taken out. And um, we're only going to get better from that. And hopefully, we put in a put in performance that um, the whole country can be proud of this Sunday. Well said. Now I just want to touch a little bit more on the French series. You. You were making headlines, and for all the right reasons. How did you uh, perceive that whole campaign? How do you think you went? Um, to be honest, I haven't really had much time to reflect on it because um, it was literally three games in what four, eleven or fourteen days. So the quick turnarounds, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll, honestly, all I remember of it is just it being pretty hectic and full on every day. So you know, it's extremely humbling that I got the opportunity to start three of those games, all three of them, and. It was awesome too that we got the result in that last game because um you know it was a probably just watching that game as a spectator would have been um it would have been nail biting but um you know it was, it was awesome it was awesome to play in and the atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, I bet you just spoke on how I guess the when you guys are on the road it's it's pretty hectic. How do you manage that with training and game day? Like if you guys are constantly on the run, do you find yourself having to intentionally break away from the group just to grab a minute for yourself? Yeah, exactly. You got to find. Um, you always got to find time for yourself. And I'm sure if you ask any of the boys here, they um, they always have their me time. So like, so around now, um, you know, I always try and find a way to you know get away from the environment because you know you're obviously with everyone every day, which is which is pretty cool too. Not many people can um, do this job as a, as a living. But um, yeah, what I usually try and do to switch off is you know talk to my family over the phone or my friends. Um, get out a bit, get, go for a wonder. What so, for example, in Perth, just seeing, going to the beach and stuff like that. So, just finding just finding little ways where you can switch off because if you can't switch off, then you'll probably you probably burn out at the end of the day. No, you're still quite young, and, and to be playing and representing Australia at such a young age, did did you expect uh, that that your opportunity will come this soon, or um, was it was it? Did you feel like that that, that was the plan? You're going to be playing international football at a young age. Uh, well, my debut season was last year, so if you would have told me that 
um, at the start of last year that I'd be in the position where I am now, I probably would have would have laughed and told you to get lost. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty surreal that I'm here to be honest. But you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in my position all over this country and all over the world, and you know, my opportunity is now, and um, you know, I'm trying to do everything in my ability to um, grab hold of that jersey because um, you know, only a fair few people get to wear it, and um, I'm living my dream. So the time where I can look back on it is probably uh, Chrissy Holidays. But, you know, at the moment now, I'm sort of just focused on, on my job for the team. No, I love what you said there about the, the comment that your opportunity is now. You guys are at the end of your Bledisloe campaign where the All Blacks have secured this series. What is the, the talk right now in camp? How are you guys getting up for your last match in Perth? Yeah, well, obviously our first our first couple team meetings straight after the game were, were pretty harsh. And, um, you know, we'll everyone was just pretty um accountable for for their actions and how they um, played on on that second game which is um which is probably what we needed we had a pretty harsh review everyone was honest to each other and um you know I feel like as a group that only gets us tighter and you know we set a new goal for for the last game to put in a performance that you know make the country proud but also ourselves because we know we're so much better than the first two games that we played against the AB. So um, hopefully we can we can do that this Sunday. That's really exciting. You know, there are a lot, a lot of young um, listeners that tune into the show and you touched on players critiquing themselves, I guess with criticism um, that come from other people, like particularly as an athlete, do you have any tips on how to process that information and not take it so personally? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, like when like if someone like tries to call you out and stuff, they're not going to, they're not saying that you're, you're a bad bloke or anything like that. They just... You know, you know, you just got to realize that it comes from a good place because not only do they want to make um, the team better, but they want to make you better as well. So I guess, you know, as a young man like myself, you know, I'm still trying to learn on how to take criticism like that because um, and I'm sure at the st- um, last year if someone would try to criticize me, I'm sort of thinking, oh, he hates me as a person. But, um, you know, the, you just know that it's always coming from a good heart and it's nothing and it's nothing wrong against you personally. It's just I'm trying to benefit the team. Now, Noah, uh, Sarah mentioned in the opener that, that you're of Samoan descent. We, we broadcast out into the Pacific. Yeah. And um, I guess a question that maybe lines up with what you're just talking about there and some of the challenges you face, how, how important is, is your own culture uh, to, to dealing with the ups and downs of, of being a professional rugby player. And, and you also mentioned connecting with your family as much as possible. Does culture play a role in that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a very proud um, young Samoan, half Samoan man. And um, obviously I can't speak it fluently in that, but, you know, um, I hold proudly that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from Samoan descendant and hopefully I can pave the way for younger Polynesian kids to um, step up in, you know, in the playmaking roles especially because, um, you know, history tells us that, you know, we're, we're you know, people probably look down on us as, as being smart, but hopefully I can, um, you know, I can help with that and thinking, um, thinking that young Polynesian boys can, you know, express themselves in, in a position like fly half because, you know, it, it involves a lot of brain, as everyone would know, and hopefully um, I'm paving a way there. Well, I think you are a sensational role model in that sense. Uh, as you guys prepare for your match against the All Blacks, I'm intrigued to know: Do you have a game day ritual? Um, not not really. I sort of like to keep myself busy throughout the first half of the day, so I'm not really thinking about the game as much. So, for example, if um, for the French series, I obviously went out for breakfast 
I'm from the Gold Coast and my family's all living the Gold Goldie, so I have breakfast with my family <laughs> and then and then after that um I, I duck down to the beach and have a cheeky little swim. And um by that time I, I, I come back to the where we where we stay as a as a team. So I lunch time and after lunch I usually like like to have a, a little nap, an hour an hour and a half nap and then once I wake up I sort of slowly get into it. So um, I'm not really too fast. I wouldn't have any superstitions or anything like that. I just like to, you know, keep keep myself busy for the first half of the day. And then after that, it's game time. Love that. Well, before we wrap up our interview with you, we love to do a segment with our guests, which is called Tip On. And it's basically a 60-second uh, segment of rapid-fire questions. And so basically... Dean is going to ask you a series of questions and we just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. It's meant to be fun and lighthearted, so don't think too hard. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> all right, all right. Time will start now. So what have you been reading, watching or listening to lately? Um, Kanan from On Pal, On Stand. All right, yes. Okay, what was your first concert? R&B Friday in Sydney. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Who was your most anno- <laughs> Who was your most annoying teammate? Lenny Icatel. <laughs> Who was your sporting hero? Sonny Bill Williams. Nice. Do you have a hidden talent? Um oh, not really. Oh, nah, I can't I probably can't think of that off the top of my head. We might come back to that one. What's your go to karaoke yeah, song? Oh, geez. Um, anything Bruno Mars. Oh, yes. I like that. <laughs> Scale of one to 10. How good are you at keeping secrets? I'd say five. Okay. In the middle. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite movie as a kid? Rush Hour 3. Yeah. Oh, great flick. And that's all we have time for. Well done. I think you nailed that. <laughs> Can you give yeah, us a Bruno Mars? Hidden talent caught me off guard. Okay, so what? Anything? Is there anything? Now you got a bit of time. Is there any hidden talent that you've got? We know you can kick. Like that's a I that's was, a known talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like if I listen to a song, I can usually pick up like the words after I listen to it once. Hey. Oh, you got a good I feel memory, like that's yeah. a hidden talent. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Did that kind of memory serve you well when you were like doing exams in school? Um, no. <laughs> you know what? Music hits different, so it doesn't even count. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Noah, thanks very much once again for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific. It's been great to hear about your rugby career to date. You've got plenty in front of you, so we wish you all the best with the upcoming rugby championship and uh, with your test match this weekend against the All Blacks. Sweet as awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. That was Noah Lolaseo, fly half for the Wallabies. We wish him all the best against the All Blacks this Sunday. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yeah, one of our favourite parts of the show where we get a question from anyone listening that wants to know something about athletes that is maybe a burning question that um, has never been asked before or that maybe is a bit taboo. If you want to ask us a question, you can send it through to ABC Sport on Twitter or to at Serenangama or at Dean Hullitow on Instagram. Yes, this week's question comes from at Stu Cameron, 1969. He asked us on Twitter, does anyone really believe that God decides who wins an athletic slash sporting pursuit? Well, you could almost ask that question to anything, but for sport in particular, 
I sit on the on the. I sit with that. He's there watching. I love that. So he's keeping an eye on it, but not necessarily deciding the outcome. So you're saying that God's sitting in Bay C, row seventeen, seat thirteen. Oh, yeah, I think, when, and and you'd be able to um, talk more about this, Sarah. But I think when when athletes after a, after a victory, after an achievement, or whatever, when they 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 thank God, they they thank Him for the opportunity to do what they're doing, right, mm. and the opportunity to be where they're at. And I think, um, yeah, he's as much a fan as anyone else that's keeping an eye on what's going on. But ultimately, for me, that the players are out there and doing their thing that they're the, with the skills they've been given. Yeah, I love that response. For me, my take on it is um, I'm very much of the the belief that everything happens for a reason. I am also a believer as well. So I do feel like, you know, God does play a hand in it, uh, whether that's the sporting God or that's the God that sits in heaven. Um, however, you know, people perceive that. I do believe that there is somewhat of a higher power that's kind of dictating the wins and losses. Um, unfortunate for our bulldog friends, but, um, maybe next year, (laughs) maybe next year they're on the come up. Um, but what I, I guess I want to touch on that whole aspect of athletes, um, you know, taking a knee after a game. It's really like beautiful for me to say that because I feel like people, um, being passionate to, to display that for people to see is like a huge, huge step in itself. So, um, I think that for them, particularly when they take a knee, whether it's a win or a loss, and I think it's really important to provide some clarity for people who may not understand it. It's like they want to give credit where credit is always due. And for those players who take a knee, that credit is God. Um, so yeah, for me, my personal belief is yes, I do believe that, uh, God plays a hand in it. But like, I also think like, like when I get to heaven, I want to ask God, like, Hey, who did you go for in the NRL? <laughs> and like, who do you go yeah. for in the AFL? How did you make the decision on which way you were going to go on, on that game or in this game? Yeah. Yeah. But then like, you know, clearly God's a fan of the New South Wales Waratahs. And, uh, of course, of yeah. course. It's, he's smiling it's on us. been on your side for a long time now. <laughs> um, no, I love that. So yeah, Stu, thank you so much for your question. We hope that uh, we answered it uh, the way that you wanted us to. And don't forget, if you have any questions, send them through to ABC Sport on Twitter or at Sarah Nangama or at Dean Hullitow on Instagram. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? All right, so joining us on Can You Be More Pacific today, we're lucky to be joined by Erin Hatton. She's the Sport for Development and Partnerships Manager and also Women's Rugby Manager at Oceana Rugby. Erin, thanks very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Erin, just before we get stuck into it, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role? Sure. So I am, as you've introduced, the Sport for Development and Partnerships Manager. Uh, So Sport for Development being the rugby programs that we utilise to bring about social change. So we've got programs operating in five countries across the Pacific. Um, I look after all of our partnerships, which includes uh, the Australian Government, UN Women and Child Fund. And then another hat that I wear is is taking a lead on our women in rugby strategy across the region. And that's about uh, women on the field, but also off the field. So in all parts of rugby union. Sounds like you wear a couple hats there and your days would be jam-packed with all things rugby. I'm a rugby girl myself, so I'm, I'm I'm quite excited for this interview. But what initially attracted you to the game of rugby? 
I'm one of those people who was born into the game of rugby. <laughs> so uh, my, I, I grew up on the banks of Ballymore in Brisbane um, <laughs> as a child. Oh, Queensland girl. By my father. <laughs> I am a Queensland girl, so I'm based in <laughs> Brisbane. Um, I was dragged along to all Redstones by my family from a very young age and had to sit on the hill with my brothers while my parents sat in proper seats. Um, so it's kind of been with me from um, a very young age. But look, I've played a lot of different sports and took a route through sport management and have had a number of roles in different sports and in different roles in Australia and in several continents overseas. And I've ultimately come back to Rugby Union as a game that I love, a game that is obviously in, in the hearts and minds of people across Oceania. So I feel incredibly lucky to have a job that I love so dearly. Now, Erin, one of the things that we know is occurring in the month of September and it's driven by Oceania Rugby is women in rugby with the theme being respect. Can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up in, in September and, and what this is about? Absolutely. So um, our inaugural Women in Rugby Month uh, was last year, 2020, um, and it was a phenomenal success um, across many of the countries across the Pacific and Australia and New Zealand. Um, and we are doing that again this year. And this year we have, as you mentioned, we have the slogan, Women in Rugby Respect, and that's very much about positioning women's rugby and women in rugby exactly where it is right now and that is in a place where it is and should be absolutely respected by by people we've just come off the most incredible sevens tournament from the tokyo olympics and i know Mm. that that has um, incredible viewership across um, our entire region and we were so lucky particularly in the women's game to have Two teams from our region on the um, on the dais with a gold medal for New Zealand and, of course, a very, very famous uh, bronze medal for the Fijiana women, their very, very first medal, not only for sevens, but for women in Fiji. So very, very historic. Uh, there's so much excitement off the back of those Olympics and we really wanted to um, continue that celebration for players of the game, um, but everyone involved in the game to encourage more people to come along and play, but to get involved in rugby off the field as well. So we have a month full of activities and a lot of those activities are being driven by each of the rugby unions in each country. And that may be be, uh, junior clinics, festivals, education opportunities for people, so things like coaching courses, officials courses, governance courses, and then there's a whole series of opportunities that are being run directly by Oceania Rugby as well. We're we're running um, a series of four online webinars across the month of September, uh, one each week. Our first one is next Tuesday, the 7th, the Women in Rugby, the Olympic Experience and we're so fortunate to have uh, two captains in Sani Williams from Australia and Lucilla Nagasau from Fiji as two of our panellists. And we've got some off-field leaders as well for that forum. And then there's three other forums throughout the rest of the month. One on coaching, one on women in leadership and governance, and one on strength and conditioning. And then lots and lots of um, beautiful stories that we'll be sharing across the month as well on all of our platforms. 
Well, it's, it certainly sounds like a, a jam-packed month. And I guess the one thing that there's been a lot of adjustments and changes that have had to happen in international sport because of COVID, but I guess it also prepares people to be able to come onto webinars and be really engaged in, in what's going on. Is that something that um, you feel you're, you're well prepared for in running these sessions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, you know, whilst there's been so many um, challenges around COVID, there's been some huge benefits the willingness for people or the enthusiasm for people to actually jump online to these things, but particularly across national borders where we can facilitate things um, that give people exposure to these incredible leaders um, and women that have had incredible achievements in all parts of the game is really special. It's such a great opportunity. And I think even pre-COVID to, you know, to have the opportunity to meet, engage directly with some of these people wouldn't have happened or it would have been very rare. So we're so lucky that we can facilitate these things and they're so accessible to anyone that has internet access. So please, if you wish to join one of those forums, um, I really encourage people to go onto the Oceania Rugby website and go into our events page and you'll be able to register for those. Look, the other really big positive about whilst we haven't been able to travel internationally, there's been a, a big 180-degree um, shift, I feel, in sport for many countries, for those countries that have been able to stay um, active and where movements continue, for domestic development of sport, and that's been the case for rugby. So there's been some incredible activity going on in so many places um, across our region, and lots there will be lots and lots of activity in, in a lot of countries um, throughout September. I'm intrigued to know with these um, online events prior to COVID, I think, you know, often you'd see an invitation and you would would know about it, but wouldn't necessarily be interested. Do you feel like there's a greater uptake in these webinars in the absence of on-field rugby? I feel like there is an uptake in these webinars in the absence of on-field rugby. Also because people are in lockdown um, in many, many places. And what a fantastic opportunity to get some stimulation and some connection with a group of people that are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about. So that's a that's a wonderful opportunity. Um, I think there's also a real emergence of women in rugby and a sense of spirit and community around it. And for many women, they might have been the only one or a member of a small few in past years. And there's a really, a real collective action and growth and excitement in the game. And I think that's really attractive um, to come on board and join a, a larger tribe for a lot of people or a lot of women that have been involved in this game for some time. I love that. On the note of women's rugby, a highlight for me also was seeing the Fijian women secure the bronze at the Tokyo Olympics. For, in your perspective, do you believe that this will increase participation in smaller island nations? Gee, I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I look, you'll hear from my accent that I'm Australian born and bred. Um, and I have to say that watching Australia play against Fiji was one of the most torturous events I've ever watched because I desperately wanted both teams to win and knew that that couldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, the medal that Fijiana has achieved, I think, represents so much more than just 
um, a rugby medal. It, it's actually been something, and I have watched social media. Um, I've been engaged in so many discussions with chat groups, um, with people that we're associated with through Oceania Rugby. And the impact has been absolutely immense on attitudes around women in rugby, um, a real acceptance, a pride and a genuine respect. It's been quite a turning point, um, I believe. And it has already um, drawn attention and interest from a whole generation of young girls who are wanting to play in Fiji. And I'm absolutely sure that that would have been witnessed and felt across other countries as well. And we're so excited to embrace that and invite girls and boys to the game. We've got a wonderful junior development program called Get Into Rugby, uh, and it's safe, it's non-contact or tag-based. So it's a, a really fantastic entry point to learn the game, to learn the skills before people choose to, you know, moving into um, a, a contact version of the game. Um, so, look, I want to say congratulations and thank you to Fijiana for what they've achieved and what that represents for girls across the whole region. I love that response because I'm Fijian myself and I know there definitely has been a shift in conversations with my family members of what this win not only means for this team, but as a nation, I think there are behaviours that have been set in place in, in previous generations that, you know, women have um, certain roles in a household, but these girls just went mm -hmm. and they broke down barriers and are an absolute inspiration to young boys and girls all over the world. That's all we have time for today, Erin, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining Dean and I on Can You Be More Pacific? It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Erin Hatton from Oceana Rugby sharing with us everything that's coming up this month for women in rugby. Uh, respect is the theme. If you want to learn more or uh, register for any of the webinars, head to oceana.rugby and head to the events page. That simple, oceana.rugby. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. This week in Keeping It Social, there are some funny things circulating on the internet, but before we get into yours, Dean, I want to share mine. I'm just going to shut you on it. it. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> so as we know, the Panthers had the Tigers on the weekend. And the Panthers, to me, I feel like they have a really strong social media game. Like they go savage. They're really funny. They're very clever. Um, but this caption really stood out to me. So they basically have a picture of Isaiah Yo promoting game day. But the caption says, it's game day. Tune in for the true season finale of Tiger Town. I'm laughing at my own ex game. <laughs> it's so clever and it's so savage. 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah, well, some context for our listeners. The, the Tigers have been uh, on uh, one of the broadcasters <laughs> throughout the year doing a documentary series on yeah, what happens behind the scenes at the club. Tiger Town. And it's been a good watch for most people, I yeah. think. But yeah, pretty, um, pretty good burn there from the Panthers. <laughs> they hit the nail on the head and they went on to, to give them a good, good game and yeah, smash they, them. They gave them the, the true season finale. Yes, they did. Uh, that's from me. What, uh, what's been happening on your Instagram? Have you... Even got the app there, bro, or what's happening? Well, I was checking out MySpace the other day and it said link broken. So, oh, MySpace, was, yeah. what's that? MySpace, MySpace, link broken. So, it took me to another another <laughs> website, which was Instagram. I had to sign up. No, I have an Instagram account, but <laughs> one of the things I loved on Instagram came from the uh, the Super Netball Champions, the New South Wales Swifts. And the there girls. was the girls, and there was a tweet earlier in the week about Maddie Proud playing the game with a busted rib. Mm. 
that, that would have hurt playing a busted rib. Heroic. Right? Yeah, very heroic from the co the co skipper. But her teammate Sophie Garvin hits back straight away with uh, a bit dramatic, if you ask me. She has another twenty three that are perfectly fine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she throws a bit of shade, and that's, actually, that's what the New South Wales Swift said: the Queen of Shade from from Sophie. So, what well on Sophie? Well played. Well played. I just, you know, sporting teams. I'm they, catching up. Yeah. I mean, next you've got to sign up for Twitter. You've still got to get Snapchat, TikTok. There are, there are a couple of apps. I, can't, I don't know if I can do TikTok. Really? My kids are on TikTok and they're constantly like dancing and stuff. But you could be, you could be an icon because like, like the internet loves it when like parents jump in with their kids. Uh, really? Yeah. You, you could set, blow up. You're setting me up. <laughs> <laughs> But no, fantastic socials. Uh, can't wait to see what our athletes give us this week. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rut, we have some tough headlines to tackle. Let's start off with the NRL. As we know, the Roosters uh, versus Rabbitohs game, there was a lot of heat around it, a lot of controversy, but there was some comments made in the press conference which uh, raised a couple of eyebrows and will be taking some serious buck from some clubs. Yes, that's that's correct. Uh, we already mentioned earlier in the show uh, the, the Latrell Mitchell tackle on Joseph Manu, which landed him in the hot water, earned him six weeks suspension. A former rooster himself, Latrell Mitchell, so he was uh, friends. Well, I hope he still remains friends with Joseph Manu. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But Trent Robinson, the Roosters coach, had a few words in the in the post match press conference regarding how things transpired after the hit took place. He um, pretty much took aim at the bunker and, and said some. Some things that have landed him and the club in, in hot water. They've earned themselves a um, a fine. And, yeah, look, for, for me, this one here, like there, there's some clear direction around what coaches are allowed to say post-match regarding officials. And um, the NRL CEO, Andrew Abdo, actually appeared on ABC Grandstand uh, the day following the Rabbitohs Roosters match. And um, he had some, some comments around what, the coach Trent Robinson had said um, regarding match officials, and the main point that he that he touched on was about an, attacking um, the integrity of an official, which is um, something that's clearly in the rules around what what people are allowed to say post match in in the game generally towards officials. And here's what Andrew told the ABC Grandstand team: As far as Trent's comments are concerned, all I'll say is I understand uh, how emotive everyone gets. I understand the frustrations. However. We do have to be professionals, and I, I don't uh, think it's appropriate to cast uh, opinions on people's integrity or character. I don't think that's what you expect in a professional sport. I've got to agree with him. To attack the integrity of an official is is a no-go zone. Um, and, and it's the hard thing for me is, and this is something I've seen in the days following that, that match, is that the match official for that game, Henry Perinara, has been bashed pillar of the post by public, by everyone, and Everyone's saying, oh, you shouldn't make these errors. Like, it's a high-pressure environment, and the game's already acknowledged that there was an error in the call that was made, so they've dealt with that. But um, for people to say, get rid of him, we'll come in, we'll get someone in who's going to do a better job, there's not that many people that are sticking their hands up to become mm. match official, officials, video officials, because it's a hard job, and it's not easy. They make a lot of decisions. They're trained um, very well to do what they do. And I'm biased. I work at the NRL, so I've, I've got a bit of bias, in it, but I also understand the work that goes into it. And I think it's a bit narrow for people to say that um, we'll just get someone else. If people don't allow errors in anything, they're kidding themselves. Like errors happen everywhere in life. By every, I make errors every day. Hmm. Uh, and I consider myself good at a lot of things, but I still make errors in those. So I've, I found this a hard one to, to, for him to be attacked the way he was. Yeah, right. Turning our attention to, I guess, some 
brighter news is the Rugby League World Cup has been postponed until 2022 in October. Yes, this is a good thing that the Rugby League World Cup is going to go ahead. Obviously disappointing that 2021 was postponed um, because of the concerns from Australia and New Zealand around their players and travelling, COVID and um, welfare around rest periods and whatnot. So um, it's great that it is going to be up and running. Great that we'll have some uh, Pacific nations represented out of the 16 teams that will be there as well. Two. Yeah, it'd be great. Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa. Um, it is going to be a really good tournament. And I believe Samoa and England will be kicking off the, um, the tournament. So can't wait for that one. That's going to be a huge, huge fixture. The thing that I always think about with fixtures being postponed to 2022 is that, man, players are going to be playing a lot of footy, COVID willing. Yes, there is going to be a lot of football next year, particularly for the NRLW, the the women's players. The game is going to have to do a lot of work to make sure that they're well supported in terms of um, recovery times and workloads and whatnot, because season's been postponed uh, from this year, which means that next year is going to be a full schedule with trying to get away two NRLW seasons, domestic competitions in the middle of that, and then throw in a World Cup at the end of the year. Um, yeah, it's a lot of it's a yeah. lot of rugby league. So I hope that uh, they get all the care they need to make sure that they can play all that football. Yeah, well said. Making headlines in the other code, the game they play in heaven. Don't raise your hands up in the air Sorry. like it's a self-made thing. No, no, I know. It's, that's, <laughs> it's been called that for a long time. I just question it. Yeah. But what's happening in rugby union? Let's start with some feel-good news story, which is Marika Korembeta. He's been nominated for Sports Dad of the Year. That's huge. Marika, uh, he's a quality player. He's had some pretty huge performances for the Wallabies this year. And uh, I was actually I was actually at the Tigers with Marika before he, he yes. left to Rugby Union. And um, he was scary at training. Like he would come out and put some shots on and run at you, hurt you. So um, it was no surprise that he's succeeded in rugby. And congratulations on being nominated for Sports Dad of the Year amongst some very elite people. Yeah, it's really huge because as we know that the story goes is that I believe it was in their French series – it was in warm-up just before they're about to go out and he turns to one of the other boys and he's like, hey, Mana, my wife just gave birth. So his, him and his wife actually, um, well, I guess it's fair to say, his wife had released him to Olivers and, you know, said, you know, much rather you play this game. And, you know, what an incredible sacrifice from her because within that time that he was in the sheds, um, his beautiful wife, Emma, gave birth to their baby. That's a cool story. So what's really cool about this award is that the person who actually wins gets $80,000 donated to a charity of their choice. So good luck to Marika. I think he'd be a fitting candidate if he did win. Indeed. And across the ditch now to All Blacks News. Yes, our... Uh, friendly rivals across the ditch, the All Blacks. Uh, the best news that have come out of it is that Ari Sevea has been named as the All Blacks captain. Um, his first match that he will have the C next to his name will be this Sunday against the Wallabies in Perth. He's the fifth player of Pacific Heritage to do so. Um, Sam Whitlock, who is an incredible lock, and uh, the veteran halfback Aaron Smith, who have both had the opportunity to captain the side. Uh, Both will be stepping down for game three to stay back in New Zealand um, and help their wives uh, who are due to give birth as well. And adding to that, which is why we're on that note, I digress a little bit, but two boys uh, from the Wallabies, Hunter Paisami and Luke Hanselakai-Loto, will also be missing out on the match for the very same reasons. But this is a really exciting opportunity for Artie. He has been um, a sensational addition to All Blacks since he joined them. He's led the Hurricanes in this past Super Rugby campaign and he's made 52 test appearances. So, you know, if you're looking for someone who has the experience, who has the flair and who has the leadership skills, I think you'll find that in Artie Savelle. Well, good luck to Artie this weekend against the Wallabies, which is the rescheduled Bledisloe match in Perth. There was a bit of 
a little bit happened before this uh, was just a little, in. just a little bit. Oh yeah, a little. But it gets to gets to ha- occur now on Father's Day. Yeah, which is really special. And I just, you know, kind of on the note of Father's Day, is those four players who will be missing out. You're kind of like, oh well, that kind of fits in nicely. So I'm really keen to see the Wallabies boys get up, and they will. <laughs> Dean, you weird all blacks person. I'm not weird all blacks person. No, you just you're very you're a very passionate support in the same way that I'm a very passionate Wallaby supporter. I also, also play for the Kiwi, so if I didn't support the All Blacks, there'd be something wrong with me. Yeah, true. And I am in the Wallaroo squad, so I guess I've got to go for the Wallabies too. And you want to? Yeah, and I want to. Yeah. I do. I really do. And we got some cross code news from Fiji. Yes, Fijiana player Rowella Randini Yavuni. I hope I said that right, Randini Yavuni. She has been offered a rugby league contract in New Zealand. This is pretty exciting. She was a player that was included in the Fijiana side that recently tore it up on the Olympic stage in Tokyo. She's been in contact with a former club in New Zealand, the Richmond Roses. Um, she'll be an incredible inclusion, I think, wherever she goes. She has had experience playing for the Auckland Warriors in the NRLW, and everyone remembers the iconic Fijian Bulikula side that uh, took on PNG in 2019 and uh, fair to say, beat them solid. That was at Leichhardt Oval, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was. It was yeah. A big game. I was out there that night and uh, it was actually really cool. Pacific Test was always really cool. In the, I just uh, love how the community gets around it. You yeah. really feel it. It is a good buzz, but uh, it'd be great to see Roella lace up the boots back in rugby league in the domestic competition in New Zealand, uh, whether or not she plans on uh, hanging around until the uh, NRLW expands again, maybe, and, and the Warriors potentially come back in. I'd love to see them included again. And, you know, last year what we saw in the NRLW was that Sevens players do really well in rugby league. You look at Charlotte Kaslik, she was incredible. Elia Green was in the fold. So um, the girls have something off in the rugby league arena. They definitely do. And last, but definitely not least, the Super Rugby competition has expanded. It has, and uh, we, we've mentioned this a few times on the show about uh, the addition of two new teams, mm. uh, particularly from the Pacifica region or from the Pacific region, I should say, and the Fiji and Drua have been granted a license in 2022. Huge, huge, huge news. This is an exciting era for Super Rugby. They will now have 12 sides who will battle battle it out for the crown of Super Rugby Pacific Champions. From Australia, uh, there will be sides in the Queensland Reds, New South Wales Waratahs, Melbourne Rebels, Brumbies and the Western Force. Looking over to New Zealand, they will supply five teams, which is the Blues, Chiefs, Crusaders, Highlanders and Hurricanes. And running out the competition, you will have Fiji and and Moana Pacifica. This is Really, really good news for Rugby Union. As you mentioned, we always talk about how do we kind of equal the playing field. Um, I think by expanding the competition, uh, consistent fixtures where teams are going up against the best in the competition as consistent as possible can only mean that the game of Rugby Union is bound to get better. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to improve um, the standard of play, I guess, yeah. across the board. And um, having two Pacific sides in, the Fijian Drawer and Moana Pacific, is going to be really, I think it's going to be really inspirational for yeah. pathways in the Pacific as well. So hopefully that encourages a lot of youngsters to to pick up a, a ball and and start playing rugby in the domestic competitions. And you know that that growth underneath will hopefully go through to the top grade and and the game they play in heaven will grow. <laughs> yes. So I just want to add like a bit of context behind both sides. So Fiji and Drew will obviously be made up of Fijian players, but Moana Pacifica will be a team that will be based in South Auckland and basically the the cohort of players that can be selected are any players who identify with being Fijian, Samoan, Tongan um, or of Cook Island heritage. So it's going to be a great year of rugby. ABC Radio Australia. 
Can you be more Pacific? This week's track is an absolute banger. It is called Streetlights by Hawkins. Hawkins has had an incredible year. He was nominated for the Best Pacific Male Artist in this year's Pacific Music Awards. It's a song that gives you all the soul and R&B vibes. song to take us into the weekend mm-hmm. Hawkins with Streetlights but you know what that means it's the end of the show oh man I was having so much fun today hey but we will be back 
Same time, same place next week. Yes. So if you missed the show or you just want to listen to all this magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PG time, where you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. More there. That's all here. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.